Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, welcome to the show, Gearheads. The Formula One Russian Grand Prix at Sochi turned out to be a fantastic race. Lots of everything, including a dramatic finish in the rain. Lewis Hamilton winning, winning his 100th career victory. First time in Formula One history. Really uh, an epic win. All right. Hey, Bob Varsha, you want to give us, uh, why don't we start at the top and, and work our way down and talk about everybody's race today because there was plenty to talk about besides Lewis Hamilton's win. Oh, absolutely. But congratulations to Lewis on the 100th. We talked about Max Verstappen finishing second from last. Great, great, great job for him. Again, the rain played a big factor in that. Carlos Sainz third for Ferrari, arguably the slower Ferrari on this occasion. Um, Daniel Ricciardo picked up a spot, which was great for him and for the McLaren team. Uh, Valtteri Botas, which is weird, early in the race, he had the chance to keep Verstappen behind him back there outside of the points. Yeah. And a lot of people speculated that that may be why Mercedes chose to change his engine and put him at the back so that he would be near Verstappen and could hold him up. That lasted for an eye blink before Verstappen yeah. just raced on by him. So I wonder if the team is having a chat about that. If Botas had, hadn't finished fifth, it, it might be a tougher situation in the uh, in the briefing room. Fernando Alonso with the Alpine lost a spot, but still a decent drive for him as they continue to accumulate points in that midfield battle. In seventh place, Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, well, baby. Kimi. Last Russian Grand Prix for Kimi. Probably a little bit sad that in a couple of years, they're going to be as close to a finished Grand Prix as you can get at the new Russian track near St. Petersburg. But great to see Kimi bring Alpha through to a points finish. Then Lando, we'll see if he stays in eighth place with that point for the fast lap in the race since he violated the pit entry line uh, late when he came in to get his uh, intermediates. He'll almost uh, certainly get a penalty, right, Bob? Almost without. I would think so, yeah. yeah. He'll be penalized for that. Um, then um, Perez, who, uh, you know, I, I said needed a big race for Red Bull if Verstappen, his teammate, weren't able to come through. Uh, turns out Verstappen did come through. And Perez actually had a good race going. He was at a potential podium position for a while, but then he got caught out by the conditions. 
Um, in 10th place, filling out the points positions, uh, George Russell. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I expected more. I picked him for a podium today, but uh, it was a false dawn, I guess. Um, and there may be, you know, uh, engine changes coming for the Williams drivers. 11th place, Lance Stroll. 12th, Sebastian Vettel. What happened between yeah. Aston Martin teammates? They're on whatever lap it was late in the race. They collided not once, but twice. Yeah, in I the saw same that corner. you could understand, okay, you're hard racing, you hit once. Well, what's up with hitting twice? I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Team manager's not, not happy. I do not know. And then, of course, Stroll put it in the uh, barrier as well, but managed to get an 11th place finish out of it for now. Uh, 13th place, Pierre Gasly. I thought he was going to have something for everybody today after the problems in qualifying. But again, a false dawn. Uh, he just didn't seem to be able to come through. Uh, Esteban Ocon, another guy we might have expected more out of in the rain. He's raced at the track before. He kind of knew what was going on. Again, maybe another team problem. He didn't get onto the intermediate tires at the right moment. Uh, 15th, Charles Leclerc. That's curious. He had the new uprated Ferrari engine, mm -hmm. but uh, just couldn't seem to deal with the racetrack and the conditions the way his teammate Carlos Sainz did. So Leclerc winds up in 15th place, although there was a great battle going on. Uh, all race long for him with some of the, the other midfield guys. Antonio Giovinazzi, who uh, blotted his copybook in qualifying, but uh, comes home to finish 16th. Then uh, Yuki Tsunoda in the second, Alfa Tori in 17th. Uh, Nikita Mazepin in front of his home crowd in 18th place in the first of the Haas cars. And then Nicolas Latifi and Mick Schumacher, who did not finish. And I suspect Latifi's was to save his engine for the next race. Mm -hmm. um, don't know what Schumacher's problems was, but he, he came in mid-race. We saw him get out of the car and, you know, high-five all of the mechanics. So I'm not sure what that was all about. But <laughs> anyway, that's your 20 finishers at the Russian Grand Prix. Yeah, and I heard him say over the radio that uh, Mick Schumacher's engine was decaying so I don't know exactly what that, that power unit was decaying. So I don't yeah. know what that meant, but performance. Well, you know, that shows you yeah. what's happening here. The guys, they're stretching the life of these engines yeah. to avoid taking, uh, taking a, a replacement, a fourth engine that, uh, that, that incurs a penalty. Of course, with the Haas Ferrari, you know, if you're at the back, you're at the back. Where are they going to put you if you change your engine? Yeah. <laughs> and like you said about Williams, that's interesting they, that they could have done that just now. Um, they could have done that just for that exact reason. So uh, I was just looking at some of the uh, – oh, we got a caller. I'm going to go to them in just a moment. I was just looking at some of the Twitter – the tweets at us. Uh, dry, is Lando, Paul Bryan says, is Lando Norris driver of the day for staying up front, or was it Verstappen from going from 20th, dead last, to P2? That's, That's a very yeah. good argument. Oh, man. Yeah, highly skilled on both fronts and, and lots of challenges all the way through. Orlando had it out. I mean, uh, Lando had it out front for the entire event, but that was uh, he. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to lean towards Max though, just because the challenge coming from the back all the way up, and the whole team race, the strategy around the rain. Yeah. All right, let's go to our caller. I think this is a regular, if I'm not mistaken. We got a Larry in Sioux Falls. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. Last time I talked to you guys, I was out in Telluride and uh, go back and forth between the two places. I did not expect such a white-knuckle race <laughs> as, as we had today. It was and, fantastic, wasn't it? Oh, what a, what a race. But 
the uh, congratulations to Lewis. You can't take anything away from a hundred victories, but Lando needs to get sat down man. the, uh, the experience overcame the exuberance of youth. You know, when I, you know, they told him to pit, no, I got to win this thing. He cost his team 13, 14 points. Yeah. That's that's huge money. And, and stroll better be glad that his dad's front in the cash for that. For that team. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, anybody else with, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, ah, worst thing you can do. Love the show. Thank, Thank you, sir. You. Thank you. And uh, I need to make a correction. I just looked, I, I wrote down my finish order right there at the end. Uh, and now that I look at the official on the F1 site, they have reversed the positions of Norris and Raikkonen. So Norris goes to seventh and Raikkonen to eighth. Okay. Not sure what it is, but maybe I was just premature. Yeah. Well, and like you say, it's probably not the permanent position anyway. So yeah, could be. speaking of that running order that you just ran down a couple of minutes ago, um, you said you were disappointed in George Russell and he ended up what finishing 10th, was it? So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, he had a fantastic qualifying qualified third, uh, mm-hmm. but holding on to some points, um, you know, yeah, it is the Williams car. I, I, what's that, Bob? No, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. keep in mind, Russell's great qualifying was partly due to the weather conditions. Yeah. Remember it, was wet track drying toward the end. He was one of the guys who went to the to the red uh, soft tire. Well, they all did basically, but uh, he was one of the yeah, first. He had yeah. a very let's call it a fortunate qualifying. So maybe this race finish in the points in tenth place is a, a better indication of where the Williams team is right now. They're not going to finish last in the championship appears for the first time in what three years. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm not blaming George Russell for that. He, he probably did the best with what he had. And 10th is, uh, is not a bad finish for Williams. Yeah, I guarantee you they'll take points anytime they can get them. Um, Les, what did you think of Sergio Perez's his drive today? Let, uh, Bob touched on it. He did have the bad pit stop, the unfortunate that he couldn't avoid. But what did you think of his drive? Oh, I thought it was excellent. This is what I've been expecting out of him once he got to Red Bull. You know, we've seen him further back in the crowd for so long, but we knew he had the skills. We knew he performs wonderfully when everything's going right, and I expected Red Bull to do it. And now, you know, they kind of kicked the dog with the pit stop the way they did. And so, uh, you know, heart goes out to him on that, but uh, I feel like he did everything right. Yeah, he was locked in that that great, battle behind the leaders that included what we had uh ricardo and botas alonzo um perez and george russell was in that battle for a while so you know it's tough to pass around this place as we went into interesting to see the levels of downforce that the teams put on the cars um some of them had very high downforce including charles Leclerc, i believe uh others much less i think uh Verstappen probably had the lowest downforce levels of all as he tried to come from the back and did successfully. Perez had a bit more, but not full downforce uh, in his Red Bull. And again, yeah, it was a a serviceable drive. Uh, Would have been better, but, you know, in these conditions, uh, anybody who finishes in the points uh, deserves credit. Yeah, and speaking of downforce, I think it was – it was – somewhat late in the race who was it when they were going around the corner and both cars had 
I think it was I think it was Red Bull Ferrari maybe, but both cars had a stream of sparks coming out around the corner, yeah. not in the braking zone where we're used to seeing it. Right. Yeah, that was a beautiful scene, and you know the this was by far the best Sochi race I think we've seen. Yeah, a shame it's it's so close to ending their reign there, but uh, yeah, great yeah. race. Yeah. Hey, we got somebody from Corpus Christi, Texas on the line. You said it wrong. Cor- what? From around here, we say Carpus. Carpus. <laughs> Carpus Christi? Uh, no, you just say Carpus. I'm from down that away myself. <laughs> oh, Carpus. I got to ask the Labonte brothers about that. <laughs> oh, they'll know. I, I had family. We called it Corpus. We, we all went down there every year to go to the beach. We got Clay from Corpus. Hey, Clay, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well. Long time listener, first time caller. How are you guys doing? Well, thanks. Okay, Clay. Now, now own up for us. Pronounce we'll be. that town you're in. <laughs> yeah. Say the name of it. The town I'm. So we. Are, I'm a transplant. I am from the Washington D.C. area. Uh, I moved down here about two months ago. So um, I hear people call it uh, Corpus Christi, Corpus Crispy. Um, <laughs> so what's the running joke? Uh, he, he was just saying he calls it Carpus. We yeah, when I was I was born down there in the area, and it was Carpus. Going over to Carpus. All right, well, I'll, I'll do what it takes to fit in. <laughs> good man, good man. Hey, well, thanks for calling in. Hey, what'd you think of the race, Clay? Great. Well, um, I turned on. Obviously, I'm from the East Coast and moved to Central Time. So typically, you know, I get up in the morning. Uh, Formula One starting, so I'm an hour behind. So I turned on midway through. Um, I saw when Norris was out and Lewis was chasing him down. The end, I never thought the end of that race would turn out the way it did <laughs> with uh, Norris's team maybe making a bad call or him making a bad call and not pitting, Lewis's team making a great call, and then Verstappen going from where he did to second place. So um, if, you, if you turned on the race and maybe it was 10 laps to go, you thought Lewis would have ended maybe with a 10-point lead. Now it's only, I believe, two to four. So I think that's a testament to, um, I think, Verstappen's skill. I think Lewis just being a consummate professional and then Norris just being a little bit experienced. Yeah, so you agree. We were talking about Lando Norris being the uh, excited youth, right? You agree with the the fact that he was that was a mistake of him making that call to stay out? Oh, absolutely. I think he got out over his skis. I think in that situation, you need to listen to your crew. You know, there's no I in team, so I think you need to uh, go with the team approach and um, listen to the crew chief and the principal right there. Hey, so you're in Corpus. So you're down in South Texas, and you were from Correct. the East Coast. Are there any, uh, are there any like uh, groups down there that get together and watch Formula One? I don't. Think... <laughs> no, I think I am a outlier <laughs> in a lot of in a lot of ways down here. Um, uh, you know, I grew up watching NASCAR back in the '80s when you know Earnhardt Senior raced, and then w- once he passed, I kind of lost interest in NASCAR. Um, I used to watch Indy when, you know, you had Ray Hall and, and Bobby Mears, but then, you know, they had the IndyCar series and the car series, and I think I just lost interest in that. I think Formula One has a little bit more novelty and spectacle, and it's good that the, you know, Formula One has the race in Austin, I believe, at the end of next month. Um, I looked at tickets a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, they were 400. Now they've gone up to like 700, so I said, the hell with it um but i would like to go to austin at some point to uh or any uh, any race in the u.s to see a a formula one race up close well i hope that it spreads to corpus austin has fully embraced over the years it took a little time but now austin is full all full on all in 
And, and it's interesting that you say that about the ticket prices because they are sold out of a lot of the tickets. And the fact that there is huge demand and we don't have as many people traveling in because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there is there is big demand and it's going to be interesting to, to yeah. see how this plays out, especially with Miami coming on. Well, and this is, you know, this is one of those destinations that's so close to the Mexico border that we get a big Mexico population that comes in. We used to get and, bigger, yeah. Yeah, and typically their their uh, their culture, if you will, is to buy on race day. They buy their tickets when they get here. Well, you're not going to have that option because there's none left. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you for being a longtime listener. We really appreciate it, and thanks for calling in this time. Hey, appreciate your show. Continued success. Thank thanks you. Thanks a lot. All right, boys, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the growth of Formula One here in the United States. I've got an interesting study that I want to read you guys. You're listening to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after a quick break. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. We were talking about, before we went to the break, about the, the growth of Formula One in the United States. We heard this gentleman from Corpus kind of, giggling a little bit about Corpus Christi and I, I you know that's that's probably true down there but all over the United States it has been growing like crazy this year and the success they they chalk it up to lots of things including the Netflix series which we've talked a lot about but I did see a really interesting study that was done uh, by that Formula One engaged a company to do this but it was really interesting because they talked about the increase of the youth fan base, which obviously every every sport, every organization has to have new blood bringing it in. And uh, this study was done by a, a company over in the UK, and 
It's called, let's see. Was Insights Family. Yeah, fa- Insights Family. I, I, it's something UK-based, so I hadn't seen it. but and, and this was mostly about the UK, but what the interesting parts of this thing were is that the, the growth was even faster than soccer, they said, amongst the youth, including, uh, you know, which, which has been good. And it's 6% faster than the, the soccer growth. Uh, but it's also the second fastest growing sport on social media with an annual growth of 36%. And now that we've had several years under Liberty Media, that's saying something now because the first year they had huge growth because Bernie right. didn't even do social media. Uh, but now they're saying 41% of children aged 3 to 18 now engage with esports, which Formula One has embraced very heavily and had huge success with during the pandemic before we went racing last year. But they've also increased the number of uh, active children fans by almost 3 million, do- 3 million people, 3 million children in key European markets. So it's, and it's 17% year on year increase in fans from 17.3 to 20 million. So it's some really big numbers that we're seeing in the growth of this sport. And we've seen it here in the United States. And with the talk of Michael Andretti uh, buying into a team or buying a team and the growth that that could bring, you, you get Michael Andretti and the the likelihood of an American driver, that's going to be really interesting to see the growth. But I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a really fascinating study just talking about the growth of the youth. But but a little bit more about today's race. Um, Bob, let me go to you. Bob Varsha, we had <clears throat> we've touched on a lot of the the drives, you know, just touching on them. But anybody mm-hmm. stand out besides the, the 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 ones we've gone in depth on about today? You know, we talked we touched on Alonzo, we touched on Raikkonen and Perez. Anybody else? Um, and I'm scanning the uh, the finished results to see if anybody really jumps out at me. Um, I think we hit most of the of the high points. Um, yeah, I think R- Ricardo had a really good day. Particularly impressed with Science. Um, yeah, uh, Norris we know about. I think he won Driver of the Day, as you mentioned. Um, what do you think about Daniel Ricardo and? Last week with the win, this week with a fourth place finish, and you know, I, I in the pre-show I was talking mm-hmm. about the the fact that that Lando was still noticeably faster in qualifying. Uh, yeah. But what do you think about his confidence and and where he's at right now compared to where he's been at the beginning of the season? Well, it, it's really coming along. I mean, uh, doubters might say, "Well, he won at Monza because Hamilton and Verstappen took each other out," but. You know, you got to be there to capitalize on that. And Ricardo was there. The team has said it's a difficult car to drive. Lando's had experience with it, so it's only natural that he'd be slightly ahead of uh, Daniel Ricardo, who's a proven race winner. It looks like Ricardo is coming to terms with the race car, and that's you know that's good news for the team. Um, so yeah, I, I think Ricardo's doing a great job, and I think he's one of those guys. Going back to your point about the growth of the sport. Now, years ago, when I was doing television with the series, Bernie Ecclestone, who who owned the commercial rights at the time, was asked about, you know, why don't you reach out to the youth? What do you think of esports? What do you think of social media? He said, I have no time for that. Young people don't have any money. You know, my sponsors are Rolex and Mercedes Benz and, you know, Moy and Shandon and what have you. Young people don't spend money on that. If they spend money Mm -hmm. at all, why should I bother with them? 
<laughs> which obviously was a was a, a bizarre position to take. And as you point out, I think Liberty Media has has grabbed that youth market with both hands. They're out there on social media. You've got great young drivers in this, you know, the, one of the youngest fields in Formula One history. You've got guys like Hamilton out there, not only on the sports pages, but he's also there on the society pages and, you know, the, the weekend editions. Um, yeah. You know, down the list, Lando Norris, uh, Max Verstappen, these guys all get on social media and that helps. The Netflix Drive to Survive show certainly helps a lot. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why that youth market has been underserved by Formula One. And now hopefully it's, um, you know, all of that is changing as people begin to discover uh, how much fun and how fascinating Formula One can be. I think you, I think Liberty Media, if, if they were to, and by the way, did you guys hear this rumor about, uh, it's not a rumor, Netflix came out and the CEO or somebody said, had they been, had they had hindsight 2020, they would have considered buying Formula One or would consider it if Liberty were to think about selling it. And what I was going to say is that if, if, if Liberty's, if they end up selling it today, the fact that they did that Netflix deal was they could say they had a successful run at it based on just that growing the sport that much. But, hey, we got a couple of callers on the line. Let's go out to uh, let's go out to South Carolina. We got Rick on the line. Hey, Rick, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Hey, what'd you um, think of the race? I thought it was awesome. I'm a truck driver, so I had to listen to it on Sirius. And I'm biting my nails just listening to it. I can imagine what the visuals look like, so I can't wait to see the highlights. Um, and I got a, talking about growing the sport, I got a friend of mine who I've been trying to get into Formula One for three years. He's finally into it. He won't let me call him now because he's watching this on the recorded. He will, he refuses to answer my phone calls because, you know, it's like he's, he's, he's addicted now. And this is a very addicting sport. I've been watching this since Varsha. I want to say salute to you, Mr. Varsha. Um, I was started watching Formula One in 88, 89 when they used to come on ESPN2 like really, really late on tape delay. And I was watching uh, Prost and all those guys. So I've always been a Formula One fan, but it was, I didn't have that many friends to talk about it to, but eventually my dad and everybody started watching it. And it's like once they get a little taste of it, it you can't go back. I mean, even my, I'm, I'm taking my, my family to Miami because they announced the, the uh, dates uh, this week. So we're going to Miami. I already got the Airbnb. I was in Austin in 2019. I took my girlfriend in at the time, and I went to Indy in 07 to Lewis. That was Lewis Hamilton's second win ever when he was with McLaren. So I went wow. to that race live. And um, so I'm, I'm all in trance. And I, it's fun seeing me introducing it to people and then watching them how they call me and say, hey, did you see the, the pitch strategy? And, this? and I'm like, you know, wow. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I just like that more and more people are getting into it. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, well, we always ask people what they're driving, but I don't really know a lot. But what kind of truck are you driving? Right now, I have a Freightliner uh, Cascadia. It's like the little one-seater. I, I'm by myself. I don't need a bunch of people in it. I'm just, oh, it's, it's small. My personal cars, I have a uh, 2020 Mustang GT, and I have a 830-horsepower uh, Toyota MR2, a 93 Toyota MR2. Which, Whoa. Oh, okay. scary. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about this MR2. Wait a minute. 8.30, that that could be something crazy in it. 
<laughs> well, I got a, a, a Honda K20 engine. I swapped into it. Wow. And nice. Into this a... is the closest, closest thing I can get to an F1 car that I that I can afford. Yeah, you you have a mid-engine, sub-3,000 pound, 800 horsepower MR2. That's pretty cool. And, and I, I promise you I haven't had the guts to go all the way throttle yet because it, <laughs> it rips your face off before I get in second gear. So. Rips your face off, yeah. Uh, well, Rick, hey, thanks, buddy. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we appreciate your, you call us up and tell us about your experience with Formula One. I'll be calling there from now on every week, now that i discovered the show. Hey, fantastic. All right, thanks, buddy. All right, we got a couple more callers on the line, but hang tight because we need, we need to squeeze a break in. But we got Robert and Dan, so we'll, we'll get to you guys in just a minute. You're listening to Speed City. Back after these messages. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, All Stop Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no... Uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But, Jonathan, you know why, what makes it so special, the water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right, and they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Alstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer, uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because, obviously, Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi, guys. This is Pierre Gasly, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right, when we went to break, we said we had a couple callers we would get to, and we're going to go straight to them. We're going to go first to Robert in Bollinger, Texas. Hey, Robert, how are you? Hey, doing good, doing good. Listening to your broadcast here on a beautiful Sunday. Well, what did you think of the race today? Well, I was, I'm also on the road on the job, and I was listening to on the radio on the series. And um, it was exciting. I mean, you know, edge of your seat. The broadcast is real good, and and uh, I'm just, you know, it was heartbreaking for Norris, you know, there to, to make the wrong call. But like you, you guys were talking about earlier, you 
they, uh, but I'm glad to see that McLaren has, you know, up their game this year. Instead of being, you know, mid pack, they're, you know, leading the pack or trying to anyway. Well, I love the fact that what you said about listening to sports on the radio, uh, done it all my life. It's at times, and it, there is something different about listening to a sport on the radio versus watching yeah. it. Uh, it's it's a very different experience, and one that it's funny. I can say that I enjoy it just as much as watching it sometimes, and I don't know why that is. I can't really explain it. Obviously, you've got to have good folks on the mics, but but it yeah, is it, it's that a, can that can let you visualize it in your mind yeah paint paint that picture in your mind yeah yeah so where are you headed you're in you said you're in bollinger where you where you head from and to well i'm 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 at work i'm uh in a different location than where i live okay i thought you were like truck driving no no i don't uh, i'm in transportation but i'm not in truck driving Mm. but anyways uh and i i'm in the i'm in the Old school, I guess, because I remember back in the 70s and 80s, they they used to, and that's what piqued my interest in Formula One way back when I was a kid, that they would broadcast uh, 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 there on Memorial Day at... at, um, Charlotte? At Monaco. Monaco, yep. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, course. they would do that. It was on broadcast TV, and they would show it, you know, I don't know, in the, the more. can't remember if it was in the mornings before the Indy 500 or what. I can't recall exactly, but they had it on broadcast TV. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was ABC or CBS. <laughs> it was just like the one, one, one time a year that you actually got to see it <laughs> on, on the television back then. Yeah, you, you are. know I'm with you on that because that was one of the first ones I got to see. Huh. You know, like I said, we were talking about our guy from Corpus Christi earlier. That was one of the first races I watched on TV was Monaco, you know, hmm. as far as Formula One. And uh, he's right. He goes, you know, and it's a really, really cool environment there. I, I mentioned it uh, a couple weeks ago if anybody missed it. But uh, when I was there in Monaco for the F1 race, apparently the local tradition for the traveling media is to go to the stars and bars sports bar stars mm-hmm. and stripes sports bar something like that yeah uh they're in the yeah, marina and uh they show the indy 500 mm-hmm. there and it's a lot of recognizable faces and names that go to that bar to watch the indy 500 together yeah it helps that it's right next to the paddock where all the formula one teams are parked <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. i sat it's next to uh, when you're <clears throat> we got a couple more a couple of more callers we got a new one but let's go to robert thanks for calling buddy we appreciate it we appreciate you listening let's go to uh dan looks like he is in the car looks like he's on the way to dc first off dan thanks for calling but second off what are you driving on the way to dc i am driving infinity g37 coupe and there you i go. can tell you after watch after watching the race it's a dangerous combination <laughs> I am, uh, <laughs> do you have rain tires on I, I, I do. I have the summer tires still on. I used to change over to snow when I lived in Boston. Now that I live in D.C., I keep the summer tires on year-round, which is awesome. means I can make the trip in about uh, six hours, which is fantastic. Hey, guys, I want to thank you for the broadcast because I actually stayed in my hotel so I could watch the end of the race. 
And then I had to talk to somebody. Found you guys out there. I'm going to do everything I can to blow you guys up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you guys are running a great show. Huh, well, I want to talk about. I want to talk about the thing that nobody's saying. Botas is letting Mercedes down. Okay, uh. you think about the way Alonso fought off Hamilton. Uh, was it four races ago? Uh, so that uh, Norris could get the uh, the win. He is uh, not Norris. Um, uh, Alpine would come to be anyway. Ricardo um, won last week. Yeah. You know, uh, but Alonso's teammates, uh, uh, Esteban Ocon. Yeah. Oh, right. When Ocon won, because Alonso held him off, held off Hamilton for like eight laps. Um, you know, Botas could have done that for Verstappen to come all the way from 20 to second. Okay. You know what? He's an amazing racer. I'm glad to see that. Botas waved him past. If he had held him up for like five or six laps, who knows, especially with the way the race ended. But, you know, Botas, he's like, he's got his papers. He's like, yeah, I'll see you guys. Thanks. I'm going to have a nice Sunday drive every day that I'm out here now. What did he finish, 15th? And it was just yeah, astonishingly some... bad. We'll take and a look. So I, just a good... I talked Botas about that. Fifth. And, uh, fifth, he finished? Yeah, he was way down there, but he ended up finishing fifth, yeah. And all the chaos right, at the end, he moved right up. Right, exactly, because he came in with Mercedes and they got the tires on. The last yep. thing I want to say is that, you know, that is an unbelievable team. And the way they work back and forth together. And, you know, Hamilton, like the first time they called him in for, uh, for the reins, he's like, no. But then the second time he came in, you know, Norris, they don't have that relationship yet. And so he's like, no, and they let him stay out. Plus, you're talking about difference between a 20-year-old and a 37-year-old. But I, honestly, it's one of the most enjoyable races I've ever seen, and I am grateful to you guys for your broadcast for letting me talk about it a little bit. Well, Dan, thank you, because I, I'm the, I'm, I love that, that it, we have that role, right? When you get through with an exciting race, you want to talk about it with somebody. You want to hear people talking about it. And the coverage in the United States on television, you know, like after qualifying is the worst to me because they're, I mean, they literally, the when the syllable rolls off the tongue of the, the person who finished third in qualifying, they cut the coverage and go to basket weaving or. I take it you're not a fan of. Beanbag. Cornhole. Torch. Cornhole, that's what <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I, I do love that, Dan. Thank you for calling. We really appreciate it. And uh, I do love the fact that we have a spot for people to get excited about, you know, when they're, their sport is just finishing up they can call and talk and we do have another caller on the line uh we've got a gentleman from baton rouge we have edgar hey edgar how are you all right how are you guys today uh we're doing good doing you have great. a question about the race coming up here in austin yeah you know my wife and i it's been a few years since we've we've gone and uh we came over before and that we had to park out it was quite challenging. We didn't we didn't stay downtown, but uh, you know I I know I guess they're doing the shuttle now. It mm -hmm. looks like you you don't really park at the track or what's the you can you, know, you can actually park mm -hmm. you can park at the track. Um, I'll tell you, Coda's got it figured out now. I'll tell you that for okay. sure. Um, it is the they've got multiple shuttles running from different locations. They've even got a shuttle running from Bastrop. Do you see that last? So they got shuttles running from the east, from the west, from Austin. They've got uh, they do have lots of parking. They've got it. You know, it's been ten years now, so we got it. We got it down now. We got to figure it out. And 
as far as as getting in and out, it's it's still a little time consuming because you've got 150,000 people or 120,000 people anyway on Sunday. And uh, but but yeah. So so when did you get what year did you come? Oh, 13, 14, maybe 2013 or so. Yeah. uh, yeah. And, you know, I said we parked on the fields, which wasn't bad, but it took us more time to leave the track than we spent at the track, you know, waiting in line, catching all those shuttles and, you know, uh, to, to get back to actually the parking lot at the time. It wasn't back to, to a hotel. So, you know, I just, I wanted to, I'm hoping it's better <laughs> and, and sounds like it is. Oh, it is absolutely better. It's, uh, there was a couple of years there in that era where there was some people, some in back, some of those back parking lots, some of the people in some parking lots were in and out in, in no time, but some of those back parking lots, they had trouble, but it's definitely better. And actually, we pay them to do that, so you guys would be stuck in the car listening on the radio for our post race. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's uh, racing. The racing's the only sport where you do your tailgating after the event as opposed to before. Yeah, I guess so. Just, uh, <laughs> I guess so. Well, uh, uh, my, my, uh, I was on the phone earlier, and I have a friend who was talking about history. And uh, I, I, I'm an engineer, and I have a friend that's an engineer, and we started watching F1, I'll say, back in the, in the 80s. And... Uh, he lives in Minneapolis now, and, and sometimes we call each other during the race, but, you know, I don't want to know what's happening if he's not watching, and you know, I don't want to tell him what's happening if he's not watching. But today he was had, had a return. He had to return to a, a hardware store. Uh, so they were going to charge him extra uh, time <laughs> for the rental. So uh, I'm texting him for the last, last three rap, laps of the race, call me. Box, box, and you know we're both L. <laughs> Hamilton fans, and he's not responding. So he finally calls me uh, after he leaves the store. Tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. So I have to give him blow by blow calls. <laughs> and uh, as I'm talking to him, my wife is with her mother today. I'm at home by myself this morning. So she's texting me too. How did the stop and get to get second? <laughs> what a race, you know. So so my wife has gone to knowing nothing about racing. And uh, to to waking me up in the morning, you know, how come you didn't tell me qualifying was on? <laughs> so uh, you know, like the sport is really growing. I, I'm a I, actually a professor, and I teach engineering, and I bring in F1 talks with my with my class, in particular the freshman students. And I try, Good. you know, you know, I tell them how important is a is a half of a second. You know, so <laughs> oh, that's nothing, that's nothing. Okay, you need to watch this. You know, this is very critical and. The millions of dollars have been spent in this sport here has given these people an extra half of a second. You know, I get some students that are interested, and some of them just kind of scratch their heads and <laughs> and uh, and just look. But uh, I'm I'm doing my best to uh, to increase the uh, the interest in the sport, and I, I really enjoy you guys' show. And uh, you know, I I'm, I, I uh, share your, your your podcast with others to try to get others to listen. Listen also. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, right. You are doing your part. We appreciate it. Which school do you teach at? I, I teach at Southern University here. It's oh, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. here in Baton Rouge, so yeah, I, I yeah. teach there and, and been there quite quite, quite a bit. We actually have started a little Formula SAE team. With oh, nice. The they, they call it a Formula One car, but I have to correct yeah. them. No, this is not a Formula, <laughs> yeah. Formula One hey, well, Formula we've One had... car. We've had SAE come to the Circuit of the Americas yeah. and into the area. So by University all means, of Texas and head A&M, out this both direction, give us a holler. I bet he's going to Drago's for lunch today in Baton Rouge. 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All uh, right. So you've been through here. <laughs> I, uh, yep. Through here. I used to be a frequent to uh, Tulane over there, so uh, in New Orleans. Oh, okay. So know the neighborhood. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the guy call earlier about the MR2, and I, I worked for General Motors for a bit too. And they we had a little Fiero there, and they had twin turbochargers that thing, and and uh, he needs to be careful because General Motors <laughs> dropped it right away. I think. <laughs> I think I recall that a wife had the had the car out once, and it it became airborne, oh. and uh, and they okay, we're gonna get away from this. <laughs> you know, it was a little too strong for that, uh, too much power for that little chassis. That, both of those that, cars, uh, though, that, both of those cars begged for more horsepower. Though everybody would in the Fieros, they were dropping the the thirty eight hundred in there, and yep. all sorts <laughs> of different mo- uh, engine yeah. mods to that. So. Well, Edgar, yeah, thank you yeah. so much. I love hearing your Baton Rouge accent, and we really appreciate you calling, and we appreciate you spreading the word about us and our sport. All right, I'm, I'm, this is the first time call, first time caller for any talk show, and oh, uh, I'm going to try to try to make this not my uh, not my first time to call you guys too. Thanks, Alrighty. thanks, right. Edgar. We'll watch for you. Take care. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. All right. Let's get our last break in. You're listening to Speed City. Back after these messages. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiasts looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP-inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Welcome to Name Your License Plate. I'm Biff Biffington. All right, Mary Lou, for the cash, the drip, and a new car, name your license plate. Easy. My plate is ADD24. ACL, ATM, ABC, ACDC, AAA. I can't remember my plate. You should have gotten a personal Texas plate from MyPlates.com. They're so memorable. And I could have saved 40% with a five-year commitment. Be a winner and order your personalized license plate from MyPlates.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, we were talking during the break, and uh, we are going to be doing a MotoGP broadcast as well. So go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Find all the details of that. Don't act surprised. We do it anyway. You just don't get to hear it here. <laughs> That's right. A lot of times. So. Um, but hey, Les, Lewis Hamilton, first Formula One driver in history to score 100 Grand Prix victories. But you've got a list that you yeah, want to share with let's us. Let's put this in perspective. I mean, 100 is always, you know, always a great number for just about anything you want. Unless you're, nice milestone. Yeah, right? unless you're golfing but anyway we're not <laughs> hey that's my golf score <laughs> yeah. i'm happy to hit that so you know you might wonder how does that compare to others so let's run through that lewis at 100 next up michael schumacher at 91 and it took quite a while for him to get to that i mean consider he raced 91 to 2006 came back 2010 through 2012 so quite a span there to make that happen not not you know totally under unimpressive by any means 
Sebastian Vettel at 53. So there you go. We've got Vettel at 53. That's a huge gap. Ellen Prost at 51. Arrington Senna at 41. But think of the gap. Lewis to the next modern F1 driver is Sebastian Vettel, and that's 47 races difference. Yeah. And that's, it's astounding. He is, you know, I can't stand the phrase on another level, but that's what it is. Bob, you got to call a lot of those races with a lot of those drivers. Yeah. You know, I did. I remember once being in Germany and, uh, which is always an interesting event when Michael Schumacher was in the field and we found a, a, a piece of videotape of a guy who had all of Michael Schumacher's victories which at that point, you know, must have been getting at least over 80, closing on 90. And uh, he had them tattooed on his back, huh. believe wow. it or not, from top to bottom. Oh, it my was, gosh. It was totally bizarre. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Lewis has totally redefined a success in Formula One, as Michael Schumacher did before him, as, you know, as uh, Senna certainly did. You know, when you think about the careers that some guys had, I mean, three-time world champion Jackie Stewart raced 99 times. 99 is, you know, is a drop on the bucket. Uh, Mika Hakkinen, who won two world championships, went more than 99 races before he won his first one. Hmm. So, you know, it's uh, it's a totally different game now than it was just a couple of decades ago. Already. Uh, and, and what Lewis and Mercedes have done is is really remarkable. For reference to Lewis's 100, Jackie Stewart, who we all know, 27 wins. Mm-hmm. And Mika Hakkinen is 16th on the roster with 20 wins. And neither one of those are anybody to sneeze at. You know, another of the modern drivers, uh, current drivers, Kimmy, is 15th with 21. And so, you know, this is absolutely no small feat. You know, we mentioned Fernando Alonso earlier, uh, 32 for him, he's sixth in ranking currently on this. That that to me is uh, puts it in perspective of who we've got there. Who are some of the other names? Yeah, uh, you know, Nigel Mansell was just a rock star. You know, I remember through the '80s and early mm-hmm. '90s with 31. Well, and think about it. Let's stop with Alonzo there for a second because yes. Bob, you were talking, I think, in the in the pre-show, just how amazing Alonzo is as a driver. But look mm-hmm. at just the luck of the draw of the timing of what seats are available when and where you end up dep- right. is, is such a massive impact on the number of wins. Think about where Alonzo could have been had the cards fallen in a yeah. different direction. He could easily be where Lewis Hamilton is now. That's, uh, that's always been a part of Alonzo's legacy. He was one of those rare, super talented drivers who just – couldn't get the decision right about which car to get in. I mean, we've talked about it before. Every driver, as a part of his responsibility to himself and his uh, and his success, needs to get himself into the best car he can. I mean, Juan Manuel Fangio won five championships for four different brands. Um, and so, you know, anybody who got mad because Lewis Hamilton left McLaren and went to Mercedes – this is what drivers have to do. Look at Daniel Ricciardo jumping from team to team, looking for that sweet spot, a car that he can win with weekend in and weekend out. Um, but even by that standard, what Lewis and Mercedes have done is uh, is incredible. 
It really is. Uh, Juan Manuel Fangio is ranked 11 with 24 wins in his span from 1950 to 58. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty sizable. Yeah, there and yeah. you know, totally different era. Hey, let's talk about the. Speaking of Michael Schumacher, you mentioned him on the. Let's talk about the movie, the Netflix. I was about to say documentary. I guess that's technically what it was. Um, mm-hmm. We've all seen it now, and Les, you talked about it last week. But I, my impressions were, you know, I, I was not a huge Formula One fan early on, and kind of started watching it, uh, and not in earnest when Schumacher was uh, on his waning of his career on the first before he came mm-hmm. went to Mercedes. And I enjoyed the movie. It was absolutely worth watching, uh, but it wasn't quite what I expected. And Bob, we were talking about it yesterday. You had kind of a similar impression. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was glad to see all the the video that reminded us of the good times. But in terms of a documentary, I think it left a lot to be desired. Um, I call it a, a love letter from Michael's family to his fans. Uh, all of the high points, none of the low points, really. Um, Michael was ruthless, simply put. And we, we hear talk all the time about which driver should have left a car with room for the other driver in the corner as recently as Monza. Verstappen, Hamilton, who should have left who room? The reason the rules require that you leave room, it's the Michael Schumacher hmm. rule. Because in his day, Michael would simply cut across you. He would shut the door. He would drive you off the road. He's not alone in that. Ayrton Senna was much the same way. Uh, the, the, the rarity are the uh, the drivers like Elon Prost, you know, who would never risk that much. Nicky Lauda would not risk that much. Um, you know, it's a matter of perspective, and sometimes the rules makers have to step in. And in the case of Michael, who is one of the all-time greats, uh, the rules makers had to step in for everybody's safety. But that wasn't covered. Um, and I thought they even his his accident that left him in the persistent vegetative state, as they say, that he is after a knock on the head while skiing. They didn't talk about that. They yeah. just showed a ski slope. And, and we heard his wife, Corinna, talking about how Michael loved skiing and being with the family and all that. And and now that he's hurt, we're going to, you know, keep him going and hope to get him fixed. I mean, I thought, what? Don't you tell people what happened? Yeah, I mean, you- that's that was the biggest surprise to me is that they completely ignored the accident. They showed some footage of skiing. Yeah. And so if you knew the story, but but that was really surprising that they didn't even say what yeah. happened. And they didn't talk about Michael's condition. That was the other big yeah. thing is that I, I thought they would at least say something about his condition. I, I mean, barely. She said something like, mm-hmm. he's with us, but that's about it. They didn't really talk about it, which, I, you know, that's yeah. fine. I understand the privacy, but we all know that it's in not a, not a good place right now, but... Well, guys, we are just about out of time, and um, uh, we wanted to talk about the 2022 season, but we're out of luck, out of time on that. But uh, but we got the turkey race coming up in uh, two weeks. Bob, give us the the 15, 20-second version of of what to expect there. Oh, great racetrack. I don't know why turkey's not on the schedule year after year. I'm sure it has something to do with money, but a lot of elevation change, a lot of interesting corners. Uh, and a really interesting part of the world. It should be another great race. Yeah, looking forward to that. And then two weeks after that, here in Austin, looking forward to that. Yeah. Hey, stay tuned because there are some things coming up, but obviously uh, considerate of the pandemic and things, 
uh, we'll spread the love and uh, let you know yeah. the cool places to be as those pop up. Yeah, it looks like we're going to have a, a set protocol, you know, the usual stuff. Show your vaccination card, show your negative test, and bring a mask. Probably won't need it all the time, but... Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for all the callers. That was really fun. Had some fun callers today. We really appreciate it. Uh, go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Check us out. Follow us on social media, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all. Bye. Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.